Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor of about 17 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Uh, this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild, Powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I just picked up 647 pounds of meat yesterday. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Nice. That's lifting. Yeah. <laughs> Deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm a faculty member at the Kerrig Institute, owner of Extreme Human Performance, and getting ready to hang out at the CrossFit Games in Madison, Wisconsin here today. Oh, sweet. Hey, yeah. uh, we also have Joe Shalero. Joe's been on the show before, a uh, powerlifter, uh, now podcaster, but Joe, I'll let you introduce yourself. Sure. So I uh, am the fitness and wellness director at Ohio University. I serve on a lot of different committees and boards there relating to mental health and exercise. Um, I'm on the eating disorder support committee, things like that. Uh, like you said, I've comp- been competing in powerlifting close to nine years now. I'm a part of Elite FTS uh, and most recently have been starting uh, since about May uh, my own podcast where we focus on the mental health and athletic performance and how the two are actually pretty closely intertwined in a um, it's been a really cool experience so far. I've had some guests on that I know you guys know, like Jim Wendler and some, you know, the conventional kind of lifting coaches. And then we've had some different people from other arenas that are probably a little uh, maybe less well known to the lifting community. So I think it's it's uh, it's been a cool experience so far. Right on. All right. Uh, let's get to some mail. I've got four males in front of me. So heavier on mail than news, unless Dr. Nelson has some science news. Um, but we can all chime in on this. Then we'll just chat with Joe a little. We'll go to break. And then again, the topic after break will just be uh, behavioral issues or traits uh, of bodybuilders and powerlifters and how they can help or hinder you know, us and what we do. So let's get to the mail. This first one is from Drew. Uh, he says, this is through Rob and ironradio.org webpage. I love your guys' show. It's really informative. Good to hear people have similar goals of health first and training hard. Also, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are not pushing people to buy any products. I appreciate the good, clean info. I have a special request for the show that may be a good idea. Matt Wenning is a guy who trains out of Columbus, Ohio. So he's down there by Joe. Uh, where I am located. Oh, so Drew is also down there. He used to be or may still be a world record holder in powerlifting. He's a genius when it comes to many things strength-related, so that'll make Matt feel good. Uh, He has a master's in biomechanics. I believe he's going to get his PhD. Uh, Great guy to listen to. He'd be an incredible guest on the show. He is a powerlifter by trade, but also writes training regimes for firefighters and U.S. Special Forces. Anyway, I thought I would put him on your guys' radar as a guest for the show. Uh, thank you for all you guys do and all the info. I really appreciate it. Sincerely, Drew. Well, Drew, we've been doing this for a long time, and <laughs> we have, in fact, had Matt on the show. Uh, episode 339, I looked that up this morning. Uh, Phil, 
you mentioned there was some comments on our Facebook page too, uh, asking. Yeah, for, it was the same thing. Somebody, somebody just suggesting that we have him on, and then one of our gracious listeners chimed in with the same info you just gave, and they were like, "He was on." <laughs> right. So, yeah, it wasn't that long ago uh, <laughs> that I called up Matt, and uh, we got Matt on. So. Yeah. yeah. Now, Joe, do you know Matt? You're down there in Columbus. Yeah, I uh, I've talked to him a handful of times. I don't see him on a regular basis or anything, but okay. I've worked with him a few times at different events. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Um, if people want to hear more from him, uh, I don't know, Phil. Maybe you can just see if he's got any burning topics. You know, we can talk to him. Yeah, again. I'm sure he's got something we can talk to him about again. Yeah. So. Sounds good. All right. Next up, this is a follow up from Rob. Uh, Rob is a very gracious listener, very polite gentleman kind of guy, uh, bodybuilder. He says. Uh, hi, I hope all is well. You guys had a great weekend. Just want to say thank you for your initial email, uh, for reading my question on air and addressing it on the show, and for the shout out in the last newsletter. Uh, my wife is my training partner. We also compete together. Uh, so we're both extremely excited. Last weekend when the new episode came out, we were on vacation and we listened to it right away uh, on the way back to our hotel. I really appreciate the detailed information that was presented from the panel. Uh, uh, in a world littered with subliminal advertisements and bro science, it's absolutely awesome to tune into your show and to be able to ask a question and listen to quality information presented by such an outstanding team of educators. Thanks, Rob. So sweet. Thank you, Rob. That was very cool. Um, I. I like the listener segment. You know, it brings, it's like evergreen content. You know, if, if, as a podcaster, people have questions. Yeah, some of them come up, or, you know, similarly over the years, but uh, it, it is fun because I learn a lot too, right? Uh, Mike Nelson will, uh, you know, you'll dabble in some recent science or Phil will talk about, oh, I've seen that in the gym. And it, it is good to get sort of a forum, I think, from different perspectives like that or whatever guest we have on. So happy to do it. Uh, this next one, let's see, from Chris. Uh, this is also through ironradio.org webpage. Hi, Rob. Uh, not emailing about being a guest, unfortunately, but I'm not on Facebook, and I figured this the easiest way to get in touch. Well, first off, let me tell you, Chris, I, I don't like Facebook, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I only get on Facebook on the Iron Radio listeners page. I do that about once a week. I browse around. If something's really cool, I'll like it. Or, but, um uh, I, I I think it's creepy. It's too pervasive. You know, uh, every even local business advertises Facebook with their own dollar. <laughs> it's just I think it's bizarre. But anyway, uh, I'm with you on that. He says I'm a UK listener of a few years and a lifter of a few more. Uh, I work as an airline pilot, and my question relates to training and dehydration. So all of us may have something to say about this. Uh, with my job, I'm always very conscious of making hydration, maintaining hydration levels, and sometimes my schedule means that I have to lift on a day after a long period of time at work. Due to the period of time flying on such days, I drink down a homemade mix of aminos and electrolytes to try to keep the cramps at bay. Over the last few weeks, I've noticed myself cramping up toward the end of workouts more and more, and wondering if there's anything that can be done to better fend off the cramps. Uh, is it worth a teaspoon of sea salt prior to a session? My diet has been unchanged. I can easily get through three-quarter liters on such a day. Uh, keep up the great work. Huge fan of the show and sending appreciation and respect from across the pond. Chris. Uh, Phil, let's start with the in the trenches. What would your, your take be on this? I mean, uh, we can explore, like, what happens 
you know, at work or at altitude mm-hmm. or, or whatever. But what would you suggest someone cramping up in there and they're not sure why? I mean, any idea, any thoughts? Ugh, a lot of times it's just it's, it's simply that. I mean, I think a lot of people are walking around not hydrated enough. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just making sure you're, you're, you're hydrated. And then like he was talking about, I've actually seen it in people that get fitness minded and nutrition minded. They actually cut sodium too much. Um, and I've seen that issue and adding some, some salt is not a bad idea. Yeah. You know, people get on this, people get on this clean eating kick and they're training hard and they just don't have enough of it. And we expel sodium when we sweat and things like that. So I've seen people that just adding some salt back in, uh, can help them. I mean, I think the only time to really limit salt is when we've talked about this before is if you have like a family issue of blood pressure problems. Yeah, it's like that as a hard training athlete, you need it, and people forget that because salt has gotten such a bad name from the medical community over the years that uh, some people take that a little bit overboard. Right, so. I would say in, unless you're living on canned goods and processed stuff, but like you said, yeah. a lot of people in fitness don't really do that anyway. Yes, and you could be, and it's worth noting too. You lose magnesium, calcium in your sweat, just a little. Yeah, but f- cramps are so multifactorial. You know, even low glycogen levels from a lower carb mm-hmm. diet, imagine your nervous system is sending a signal to the muscle. It's sort of fatigued. There's not a lot of glycogen there for explosive energy. So it doesn't respond the way the nervous system wanted it to. So it, it, it sort of tries too hard, and that can elicit cramps as well. So carbs, any number of electrolytes, you know, uh, magnesium, calcium, sodium, potassium. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people need to realize um, – Potatoes are very rich in potassium. Everybody always thinks yeah. about bananas, you know, but cabbage, cabbage as well is really high. Yeah, uh, almost any fruit and veg is going to be rock and loaded uh, with potassium. Um, Mike, yeah, what do you th- what do you think, Doctor Nelson? Yeah, same ideas. I mean, I I've noticed just from flying a lot. Even though I try to stay as hydrated as I can, I have a little scale that does BIA. So, which is very sensitive to hydration. If you do it every day, you can kind of see what changes there are. And pretty much every time I get off a longer flight, it basically shows that I'm dramatically leaner. I was like, at first, I was like, wow, this is cool. I went on vacation. I got like quite a bit leaner. I'm like, I don't look like it. And then I realized it was a a hydration issue. And after the next day, it was kind of back to almost normal again. (laughs) Right. It so. may it may even have something to do with being in the seated position. I know uh, playing with that's bio, what I was wondering too. Right, bioimpedance in the past. Yeah. If you lay down, you get you know intracellular versus extracellular fluid shifts, and it may yep. just be not moving. You don't have that what they call the muscle pump, and I don't mean big swollen muscles. Yeah. I mean that you know the massaging activity for venous return uh, and that kind of stuff. I was flying with a student once who had some other health complications, but. Um, I, we were very concerned. She had thrown a clot in her leg. You know, Ooh. she she had a lot of edema and stuff. And I'm like, like a lot of ankle swelling. And I'm like, or some type of you know, um, lymphatic, yeah, you know, drainage problem. So it, it could be have something to do with extended periods of not moving either. It, I mean, if he, if he's a pilot, I don't see how he's going to get up and walk around. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I have yeah. tried those compression tights and things like that, and can't say I noticed a massive difference i've only tried that a few times but um i agree with what you said lonnie and same with you phil most people are probably low in sodium mm-hmm. and then if they started happening more recently i'd just be curious if he did anything else different you know was his flights longer do you make any other changes or maybe he just 
never noticed it before because he said he had to lift the day after and it sounds like normally it's got a, a day off then so yeah it's just so hard to tease apart because it's so multifactorial i think that layperson thinks oh i need to eat a banana and it's not always as simple as just getting more potassium that may help um but you know yeah, may- i always ask people do they cramp in the same muscle or is it different each time that'll kind of give you a little idea and if it's the same muscle all the time then i'm kind of trying to think more movement related maybe they've been in the same position right. too long or some positional mm-hmm. yeah postural that's a good point if it's the same yep. one it might be the yeah the just the position that you hold for hours yeah yeah all right good stuff uh one more this guy says uh hi guys long time fan of the show this is uh abraham uh you know, I used this pic of Phil naked, <laughs> the awesome <laughs> Christmas card, uh, oh, in a no. in a presentation a while ago. So that's funny. Uh, it feels like he's not only on the cover of books, but famous. it's yeah, it's the infamous as well as famous, right? Yeah. Um, he says, "I have a suggestion for the show. Could you bring in Andrew Fetcher? Uh, I'd be very interested in him discussing the effects of his research on weightlifting populations, particularly." <laughs> The questions that you might have for him. Um, basically, he's done a lot of research on the effects of raising the top of your bed by about six inches or 15 centimeters. Uh, this is completely free, as you can do it with a couple of uh, bricks or books. He's not selling anything. Uh, I've been trying this for a few months, and I've noticed that I wake up much sooner, six and a half hours now versus eight hours before. Uh, I don't snore anymore. Uh, you know, my wife doesn't hear me breathing at night, you know, sleep apnea and whatnot. Um, Andrew also reports that due to improved blood flow, he has anecdotal evidence of improved recovery, muscle gain, and fat loss. Uh, so as many weightlifters are heavy, the improved sleep and other positive side effects uh, could be very beneficial for us. Uh, he says, I, I remember Phil saying something about sleep apnea issues. Um, you can read more on his website. Thanks, and please keep up the great show. Abe, uh, Phil, have you ever heard anything about that? Like inclining for sleep apnea? No, I haven't, but it sounds interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to look into anything cause I'm on my way back up in weight and it's usually right about now that, uh, my issues kick in. So it's like two sixty five ish. Yeah. But, uh, it, it just starts getting bad. And my wife's like, you're keeping me and the baby up. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And but then at the same time she's like get bigger so it's <laughs> <laughs> mixed messages so, yeah you twig you <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, yeah and uh, no I, think, I haven't heard of it but I mean it sounds interesting I wish he would would have uh, given the website if he did oh yeah uh, he did I can I can forward it to you yeah I'll uh, look into it and see if I can get a hold of Andrew that's cool uh, Mike uh, this sounds like something you might be interested in as well any thoughts. <clears throat> Yeah, and it was raising the the head of the bed, right? Yeah. So your feet are lower, is that correct? Yes, raising the top of your bed by yeah. six inches. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds interesting. I agree with Phil. Uh, maybe there's some slight mechanical changes if people have sleep apnea or something like that, maybe. And I know they've a lot of times when they do bed rest studies, which is you know the opposite thing. They're trying to look at what happens with disuse. They kind of do the opposite. They raise your feet. Um, 
a little bit, if I remember correctly. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'd like to learn more. Yeah, along similar lines, I know that like NASA, for example, I've seen some cool blood flow research that a lot of the blood flow redistributes to your head when you're in microgravity. I'm assuming bed rest is similar uh, depending on the angle that you're laying. But maybe the attempt here, and I'm just speculating here, but maybe the attempt is to try to prevent a lot of that otherwise extra blood flow to the head and keep it down in the body you know um for example you a lot of people have heard about how astronauts they lose bone density especially in their hips hips and legs but their skull actually becomes slightly more dense over time and there's been interesting research relating that to the blood flow uh, distribution pattern so maybe it's got something with that trying to prevent quite so much blood going to the brain and keeping it down in your limbs? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so. that'd be my guess, because in astronauts, they call it bird legs, because you know, you're in microgravity, right? So all your fluid's going to want to shift up, and then your body reads that as going, oh my gosh, we have too much fluid, so you release a lot of it, and then you right. have a big fluid shift because of that. Yeah, interesting, and as he pointed out, um, free. So yeah, let's follow yeah. up. Sounds good. That's a good tip. All right, um... Joe, you've been on the show before, so um, let's just quickly, before we uh, go to break, let's just talk about what you're up to lately, Sure. you know, um, especially the interest in mental health, which is sort of topical for today, but anything you want to share about recent Joe Schlero? Sure. So, uh, like you mentioned, I'm, you know, as I've been continuing to compete uh, in all the years since I, I think it was two years ago or so I was on here last, um, a lot of that time has been dedicated to this mental health stuff. My <clears throat> basically, when over the last ten years, I had had a lot of issues, and you know, I won't go super into detail. I've written about it in the past. If people ever want to um, read more about it, but essentially, I'd had a lot of mental health issues over the years, and had times where I was having issues with alcohol dependence and things like that, and things just got really bad. And as I um, as I finally started making some strides in fixing those problems, I found that my lifting and my performance actually got better too. And then as I trained smarter, it actually helped my mental health better. And, you know, I, I had talked to a few people like Chad Ikes is, is pretty outspoken about some of his issues with sleep and stuff. And him and I started chatting back and forth. And, um, and as I talked to him, you know, we were both kind of like, we both kind of found that we were, kind of come to similar conclusions about training and and kind of different ways that training was negatively affecting us in certain ways. And so we, you know, I had put up a this little survey, anonymous survey I'd put up on my Elite FTS log and and within a week I had like 150 lifters fill it out that were talking about um essentially I asked if you either have a been diagnosed with a mental health condition or you feel you may have one, go ahead and fill it out. Wow. Yeah. And I just had a ton of people fill this thing out and it was like listening to, you know, a lot of these people in the comments of the survey were like, you know, saying like they just feel like they're the only one dealing with this, but you could have the all 150 of the responses could have been written by the same person. They were that similar. And, uh, so that kind of led me down this path of being like, man, there's a lot of lifters and athletes that are dealing with very similar issues. Um, and not only that, but it seems like some of the comments they make about how they train and how it affects that seem pretty 
pretty similar, linked a lot. So then I started diving a little deeper into can we train smarter in a way to to help those issues and you know, and then not only just help your mental health, but then be able to make more progress with training. And you know, it's uh, it's been interesting. So I've been being able to make a lot of progress for myself as a lifter that, you know, that not, you know, a lot of people feel like, I think like, Oh, if you're going to get better mental health, you're going to take a trade off for performance. And I'm a, a better lifter now than I was years ago. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. I'm continuing to learn a lot more. So it's fun to explore muscle and strength athletes, right? Because so much of the scientific literature is, or the sports nutrition, or I'm sorry, sports psych literature that I've been exposed to is more about mindset, pre-workout, uh, you know, like getting your head in the game and, and that sort of thing. And um, I'm sure there's other stuff out there about generalized issues, you know, um, substance abuse or, you know, anxiety, depression. I, I've often heard different percentages of the population, you know, what, what percentage of the pop, the gen pop, you know, actually has one or the other type of behavioral or emotional issue you know so it's something that we keep uh, i keep threatening to bring more people on the show but it's it's one of the i guess gaps that we have a little bit uh, i mean mike i know you do some mindset uh type things does that often yeah. does that reach into stuff like um addiction or anxiety depression that kind of stuff um for stuff i do obviously if it's anything like that i refer them out which i've done with a, a couple of clients one of them in particular was i was looking at everything in her nutrition and i'm like this is not adding up and so we went back and forth and so i got all the way back down to all right just start taking pictures of everything you eat because she didn't want to log anything i'm like okay and then she's then she's like well you know i did i do kind of like wine like, great. I like wine, too. Send me a picture of the wine you like. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks go by, no pictures, no nothing. And then she's like, um, I drink a lot of wine, like <laughs> one to two bottles a day, Ooh. almost every day. Oh. And I was like, she's like, then this is the first time I've told anyone ever about this. I'm like, ah, you need to see my friend who's a counselor over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes when you have people that, you feel like you're just not getting anywhere and you're trying, you know, different tactics and that mm -hmm. type of thing. It's one thing I tell people just to kind of keep in the back of your, their mind because if someone has that going on, they're not going to most of the time easily volunteer that information either. And a lot of times if you just continue to make them feel bad about it, they're going to run the other way or completely close off entirely. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, that's a good example, I think. Um Okay, so I don't want to drift too far into the topic of the day until after break. Uh, let me just really quickly wrap up here the first part of the of the show. But uh, I wanted to offer some thanks and give a heads up to everybody just about some uh, Iron Radio specific issues. First, uh, I've been trying to be better about thanking people. So this is very random. If I don't mention your name, send me an email and say, "Hey, I've heard my name," and you know, <laughs> damn you guys, I'm a supporting member. This is very random, but um, William, Jason. Uh, the Steak and Hoagie Shop, um, John and Andrew, thank you for supporting Iron Radio. It keeps us keeps us going, keeps us on the air. Steak and Hoagie Shop, I like that. that yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> See if they'll do a product sponsorship. Right, yeah, this is not a corporate sponsorship. It's just yeah. a supporting member, but yeah, so probably some, you know, you know, guy that big lifter who sells yeah. steak, he's 
thematic. I like it. (laughs) Also, school is going to ramp up here for me as a professor. And so uh, things are going to get crazy for a little bit. But so I'm not remiss in saying this. In September and October, we usually kick off like a fall funds drive type of thing. We don't pester people often you know, for new supporting members or one-time donors and that kind of thing. But that will be coming. And I've got I've got a small pile here of swag of different kinds, um, DVDs and coffee mugs and mouse pads and things like that. So I think what I might do is every week this fall that we get a supporting member, I'll I'll randomly pick one and your chances will be pretty good because it's not like we're going to get 50 new, you know, donors every week. Uh, so your chance would be pretty good. I'll pick somebody and I'll just email you and say, thanks, you know, because once you become a supporting member, I have your email. I can send uh, send you a reply and say, you win. Here's a mouse pad. It's just that easy. So I think what I'll, that's what we'll do this fall as something fun. We've tried different kinds of, you know, thematic things in the, in the fall funds drive. So I think that's what we'll do is uh, just sort of a weekly giveaway uh, to help generate, you know, um, support. All right, having said that, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to pick Joe's brain about some, you know, behavioral and mental health issues. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you, Uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle. Oh, you poor meathead. All that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, 
That's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, folks, we are back. It's uh, Dr. Nelson, it's Coach Stevens, it's me, Lonnie Lowry, and we have Joe Shalero on the show. And um, Joe's been on before, and we were just talking about mental health issues before the break, sort of drifting already in this direction. So, uh, so the questions for everyone today, uh, I want to start with Joe, is uh, what are some of the emotional and behavioral issues uh, that you've seen with lifters? Maybe you can expand on our previous conversation. Sure. So I think it kind of depends the area that you're competing in. Um, you know, with physique sports like bodybuilding, I think you see a lot more, you know, body dysmorphia, then, you know, eating disorders, things like that. Obviously it's a lot more based on their physical appearance. So that's kind of just kind of comes with the territory yeah. um, for some people. Um, you know, I, I has, I, I think it's good people don't feel like everybody who competes in those sports has issues because they certainly don't but you know those i think are common for people especially when they jump into the sport for the wrong reasons um and then in the strength sports side i think is one that maybe people don't think about as much uh but i think there's been you know i think strength sports draws a lot of people that are very type a personality very goal oriented um i think a lot of people it's pretty common knowledge that are you know, deal with anxiety are also very driven, high functioning people. So, you know, it's those things, it's this double edged sort of those are the things kind of being an obsessive maniac kind of in having a few screws loose, quote unquote, kind of helps you <laughs> at, at your sport. You're, you're getting but, technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what the research calls it. Uh, it kind of helps you to be, you know, good at your sport. I think I, I think having some of the issues I've had in the past, um, has allowed me to be a good power lifter um, where maybe being completely maladjusted I wouldn't have been as good. But uh, like anything, you know, there's a certain point where that can turn into a dangerous thing. And I think especially in strength sports like powerlifting, you know, it's, it's like the cool thing to say like, Oh, you know, training's my therapy. Like I just go into the gym and I just, you know, I'm fucked up in my head. I go in the gym and I just burn it all out in the gym. Mm -hmm. And I think while that sounds really, you know, sounds cool, it makes a good, makes a good meme or whatever, you know, you, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a downward spiral people can get caught in where if you were trying to, if you go, if you're dealing with a lot of stuff and then you go in the gym and train in as heavy and as hard as you can is the only way you're kind of clearing the pipes. Um, that has so many physiological effects on you that, you know, it'll make things worse and then your training gets worse and then your mental health gets worse because you're frustrated with your training and it quickly turns into a downward spiral where you're just never getting caught back up. So um, kind of to the idea of training a little differently to help with those issues, it's not that that I think people with mental health issues need to train some special program or train differently. I just think it's your margin for error is smaller. You can't train like an idiot. You don't have, uh, you don't have the margin for error to be able to do it. So, right. Yeah. If you have a bad day in the gym, it's a, a, a worse thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's your one release. So, right. And it did, did kind of the opposite. Like you go in there, you're <laughs> anxious or depressed and you, you, you train and then it doesn't go the way you want. And now it's, Things are worse in a way, yes. you know. Let me explore, Phil. I have a question for you and, and Joe, and of course Mike as well. But I'm just thinking along the lines of 
in the gyms, in, in powerlifting settings, or bodybuilding too, I guess, but um, I have been interested in this idea that you know, it, it, this sounds like the unique snowflake kind of argument, right? But that a lot of things that are at, on the surface considered flaws could be advantages in some ways. Like I've read um, papers before where they were sort of positing that, for example, <laughs> artists tend to be manic, depressive, mm -hmm. you know, sort of thing. Uh, and then maybe people that are more mathematically gifted or more OCD, you know, and, and things like that. Um, I, again, I'm not qualified to talk about these things, this, so this is just speculation. But so, I guess the question for, for Phil first is: Do you see, um, you know, like Phil was, or, uh, Joe was just mentioning the the screw loose concept? Do you see people come in, and the fact that they have something that might look like a flaw to the gen pop is actually an advantage in the gym? Could it ever be an advantage? What do you think? Just yeah, I think so. I mean, I honestly think. Uh, <laughs> We call my gym population we're we're this weird dysfunctional family. We like most of us have some kind of issue, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's learning how to use that. Um, and like Joe was saying, I think most people that are great at training are are some kind of type A personality. They're usually really hard on themselves, um, strive for perfection, which is a great thing. But you have to learn how to harness that and realize that it's this realization that. Uh, if you reach this point to where you're always striving for perfection, but you also realize you'll never, ever reach it, uh, it can be empowering you know? mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. if you twist it mentally the right way. I mean, uh, start realizing that uh, you know it's a good thing that you'll never be perfect because you always have something more to work on. You know, I hit an 800-pound squat. Well, I can always get 805. You're never going to win. That's one thing. I mean, you will never win in the gym. Uh, it'll always beat you and it's yeah. coming to that realization and becoming comfortable with that like you know i'm always gonna suck compared to that bar right that bar always has more <laughs> space to have you know, put weight on it yeah um yeah, that can be okay and you have to become okay with that yeah uh, that makes sense to me i mean so mother earth is stronger than you gravity yes, will yes. beat you <laughs> in the end <laughs> uh, you're never gonna be just more awesome than that right so uh yeah that makes a lot it can of be sense. very uh I think that can be helpful for the for the type A personality, the person that's always striving for perfection, this and that, once they come to that realization. And it's it's okay. It's okay that you'll never win, but you're going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something – I think that makes sense. I mean, to me, again, it's it's sort of interesting that certain personality traits draw you in different directions. You know, I, I think my wife was once telling me that a, a lot of politicians, they score highly on uh, narcissistic disorder inventories. <laughs> you know. Right, but but without that drive, you wonder if they'd even be a politician. You know what I mean, uh, Mike? What about you? Like you're mentioning how some people they're not fully aware of the maybe the abnormalcy of whether it's you know food intake or wine or or whatever. But um, advantages, yeah, disadvantages, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean. I'd say probably at least 70 easy percentage of my clients, I'd say, will self-rate themselves as a obsessive type A personality. And I just had this discussion with a guy yes, two days ago, and it's, I think, trying to get them, like Phil was saying, the, the level of awareness where that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, pretty much across the board, they're very successful. Usually they have a successful job and all these other markers of success, and they usually do quite well in the gym. But they also tend to be very much all or nothing. You know, they're, mm 
on, they're doing great, and then something happens, and then they're really off. You know, so it's trying to get them to realize that this trait that they have is not a bad thing. It's made them very successful in other areas, but <coughs> not letting it sort of control their life or their lifting all the time. And then related to what you guys said too, I look for other ways they have of dealing with stress. So one of the little red flags I have in my head is that when I asked them, I said, what do you do to relax? They said, I go lift. And so how do you manage stress? So I go lift. And if it's always the same answer, mm-hmm. if something happens, they get injured, they start losing. Yeah. A lot of people I work with have lost the capacity to lift a lot. So now you're removing the thing that they're using to kind of buffer all their stress and sometimes, you know, more uh, mental health issues, possibly. Um, I always like to have them, you know, do some other skill set, whether it's go for a walk, you know, read, prayer, meditation, just sit and look at the lake, whatever, you know, something that will be helpful for them or working with a counselor that does not involve adding more stress to their system so that they have more options and they can, if something were to happen in one of those areas, they get injured, they have multiple ways of trying to deal with things. Right. You're the flexibility man in general, like metabolic, psychological. Physiological flexibility. (laughs) (laughs) There, there it is. Yeah. it, It makes sense to me. This, conversation reminds me of that book enhancing recovery uh, there's a lot of work yeah. in it by Kelman and Ken Ta and some of these researchers and like they'll talk about uh, and this sort of goes back to one of Joe's earlier points that if you're under a lot of emotional stress like yeah you could use the gym to try to treat that but it actually lowers according to this book uh, and this book is very heavily literature based. This is a textbook, but the point being is there's lots of cited cited science in it, but that you lower your overtraining threshold, you know? So if yep. you go into the gym and that's in attacking the weights um, in an almost a, a self-abusive manner is your way of dealing with problems at work or you just, you know, had a major move across the state or the country or you're having spousal or financial problems those things actually lower your overtraining threshold so you can end up burning yourself to a crisp much more easily than had you you know you were in a nice social position of strength and you know comfort and and things like that so uh, it's interesting that those things can be opposites it's it's funny how we're talking about people will use it to to deal with it when in fact maybe you should be backing off sometimes from the gym because you're under a lot of this sympathetic drive uh, this sort of fight or flight thing from other stressors in your life, you know, work, spouse, whatever. So, yeah, and I think like, you know, I think a common thing that people kind of, they hear us talking about that. And sometimes they think like, oh, but I don't want to just start training like, you know, a sissy or something, or, or they feel <laughs> like, you know, the, um, they feel like you're trying to tell them not to train hard. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you can train hard. You just can't be doing max effort work every three days. Like yeah. mm-hmm. that's one of the things like I've told people is like, if anything, I train harder now than I trained before because now I have the ability to train harder. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something that, and we could get more into this, but something Jim Wendler and I talk about all the time is, you know, pushing moderate intensity volume and, and you know, doing more of those little things that maybe they're not as fun as throwing max weight on the bar. But disciplining yourself to do those things, like that's the work that if you can discipline yourself to do that, you'll be able to push yourself 
but it's going to be pushing yourself in a way that takes a lot more discipline and, and it's hard for people to do that. It's easy to say, I'm going to go throw my new max on the bar today and go for it. It's a little harder to go today. I'm going to go throw 75% on the bar for max reps. Cause that's kind of, I mean, that's challenging in a different way. So, mm-hmm. but that's the thing I think people have to understand too, is like, you know, no part of this is telling you you can't train hard. If anything, you have to train harder, but it's, it's a way that's more mentally takes discipline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I think what you see is those, those, those type A personalities that come in and I'm going to be at the best at this and they have everything wrapped into it. They make that initial progress, initial great progress, Mm -hmm. but then they have so much wrapped into it emotionally and physically that, they literally start to hinder their progress because any hiccup in the gym like yeah. beats them down mentally. You know, they've got they're they're too wrapped up into being the best powerlifter in the world that yeah. like a miss is just like devastating. Um right, and yeah. you have to be able to blow that shit off. You've got okay, it's a bad day. You know, move on. Um you know, the best the best athletes I've seen in the world are 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 pretty relaxed about it. You know, it's okay. So I missed 800, whatever, you know, you've got to be able to, you have to have a very short term memory and, uh, that can help you in the, in the rest of your life. I mean, just learning to deal with failure. Failure is going to happen. Um, it's how you take that and what you learn from it. Um, and learning that every day is not going to be a max effort. It's just not going to be there every day. So, right. You know, um, Monitoring, I think, is such an important part of a lot of the stuff. Uh, there's only one, uh, at least from a, you know, my exposure to some of these mental health issues, there's only one population that I would not really push for more monitoring. Because normally having someone like a counselor take a look or a trainer or a coach, anybody say, sort of say, you're in conflict here. On one side, you say this. On another side, you say that. We need to monitor you more closely, you know, and so you can get a more objective view and be more rational about this. The only group I would not do that with, uh, with excessive monitoring, would be eating disorders, mm-hmm. you know, because they're already obsessing yeah. about every calorie. And But otherwise, uh, lots of strict, like, logging is a very handy tool, Um and like I said, it, I think it's, it's just important whether it's a coach, a counselor, and a uh, point well taken from Dr. Nelson before about, you know, if you're getting really into emotional, uh, serious emotional issues, it's time to make that referral to a licensed counselor, I think. But, yeah. uh, but coaching, coaches are frontline in a lot of ways, and they can give you objective info like, do you realize how many times this session you said X, you know, or, you yeah. tr- or how many times this past, past month you've done Y? You know, and it, that sort of objective monitoring that can help people steer back on course, I think, right? I mean, you'd think. Yeah. Um, well, and like to your point before, Phil, for people that, you know, I think it's especially as powerlifting has gotten a lot more popular the last few years. Um, and then now with social media being the way it is, I see over and over again, particularly I've seen it anecdotally a lot with females too, because I think females are more or kind of newer into the sport. Uh, uh, it's growing a lot more, but people start powerlifting and especially if they were like a female who wasn't lifting before and this, the same that goes for males too, you know, they'll start lifting, they start making insane progress, they make an Instagram account, they go qualify for nationals, they essentially just hit like the jackpot and they have built, they all of a sudden wrap everything into I'm, you know, so-and-so powerlifter mm-hmm. 
And then as soon as that progress starts to slow down, they just like can't handle it. Yep. And a lot of it for me is like, you know, it, sometimes it's hard because you try and explain to people like progress is not linear once you get into being an intermediate lifter, like it's going to be up and down. But, you know, something I've been I just wrote something about for uh, having people do recently is like sit down and write down what you think you need to get accomplished in a year and then the month, the week, and the training day, like what do you think is the minimum you need to accomplish to feel like you're making progress? And a lot of times I think that helps people realize if they have really unrealistic expectations because, mm-hmm. man, I mean, you go through social media and yeah. it feels like everybody's training post says like training wasn't good today, training, I feel like crap, I'm getting frustrated. Why are you frustrated? Because you're not performing and displaying your strength at your best in any given training session like that's mm-hmm. not training and this is about chipping away over time and mm-hmm. on the platforms when it counts so i think there's a lot of like self-awareness to help people uh kind of see that in the process especially if they are those very driven high high uh high kind of high achieving people yeah and i think these same people you're talking about also have this and it's something i'm dealing with lately with clients is they have a uh, a a bad tendency to look at others yeah. In, oh, yeah in a way that like well Susie does this well you're not Susie you know oh. and all you need to concentrate on you is just if you're moving five pounds more you're better and it's getting them to realize that if you just concentrate on yourself the one person you can't change what Susie's doing uh, if you just slowly make you a little bit better there's a good chance that you're going to catch her you know, without you can't waste your time concentrating on somebody else. And I don't care if, you know, maybe Susie has better genetics and she got to a 405 easier than you. You're at 360. Uh, we can't control that. And they wrap too much into that. Um, so it, it's getting in the throttle back and realize, well, I'm just working on me. We got to fix this issue. Um, and go from there. It's just getting a little bit better every day and being comfortable in that, that, it's long haul, man. It's yeah. Everybody wants it yesterday, and they start to beat themselves up after yeah. those initial quick gains. It's yeah. the uh, you see a lot of people quit. You know, I've seen a lot of very, very talented athletes, like the ones that are genetic freaks that they never had to fight. They made all this fast progress, and they 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 fall out once it does get hard, because um, nobody becomes the best without it eventually getting hard. Uh, so if they've made it to a high level without ever having to work, you know, hard, there's usually an issue. Yeah. You know, that extrinsic motivation, you know, only basing it on circumstances around you like other people, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that I had to grow into. I mean, I haven't competed nearly as much as you have, Phil, in my life, but in the, you know, half a dozen to a dozen times that I've competed in my life, it wasn't until midway that I started realizing I'm trying to get better than I was last year. Like if I can, mm-hmm. if I can yeah. barely make the top of the light heavyweight class, you know, after a diet, and let's say I'm only five pounds heavier than the year before when I was in the low 190s, that's a huge win. Or I can be harder or crisper. Oh, yeah. You know, there's so many things. Uh, as opposed to, uh, like, I, I remember toward the end, like mid toward end of my career, so like late 30s probably. Um, certainly by the time I was in my early 40s, if somebody came in who was a head shorter than me and, you know, and weighed as much as I do and his 
skin was like pink cellophane because of the mm-hmm. GH use or something, I'd be like, mm-hmm. damn, you look fantastic. I mean, I can't do that. You know, you're making you're yeah. making choices or, you know, you have options I don't have. I'm okay with that because yeah. I look I'm five pounds heavier and a little bit, you know, I, I have striations in my ass for God's sake, you know, yes. for the first time. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, that sounds so twisted, but you get my point is there's lots of little things that can be a PR and it's a, it was, it dawned on me, you know, maybe I was just kind of thick about this, but it dawned on me that how could I be different compared to myself of the past? I was, I was competing against Lonnie of two years ago, you know, and not not the guy who comes in who's so enhanced you know that i can't possibly compete against that uh i, I don't know it, it, it just reduced a lot of the anxiety i guess for me because then you can really start to have fun with the competitions and i see what you guys are saying it's also true with strength you know if someone's enhanced or they're just genetically gifted cheer them on it's not it's not like yeah. that you know um yeah. so um Absolutely. okay I wanted to finish finish up here by asking Joe about if so many people, because I, f- I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't say something. I mean, 70% of Dr. Nelson's clients, Joe said you have hundreds of responses and that sort of thing. What would you suggest people do if they're struggling with anxiety, depression, eating disorders, any any behavioral traits that might draw them into strength sports? Um, what would they, what, what do they do? Yeah, so I think the easy answer to tell people is, oh, you know, go see a professional. But I think, you know, I, I will never, like, bash any any sort of medical provider in any certain area. There's really good people in every uh, discipline. But I think with this day and age and, and how mental health care is really not what it should be, I think you have to take an amount of personal kind of, you know, take this thing by the horns yourself in addition to getting help as well. So I think um, first, you know, just realizing that there's a ton of people out there with with some of these issues. You're not alone. You know, you're not, you know, this isn't make you, this isn't a reflection of your character as a person. Um, But then in addition to that, this is just a part of training. This is a project. This is something that you can chip away at and you can make progress at, but you know, it didn't happen in a day. It's not going to get fixed in a day. and I would just say the biggest thing from my perspective that I would encourage people to do is look at a very well-rounded, look at all the variables that factor into this stuff. And that's something that I've been trying to do on my podcast is we look at things like, you know, there's whole worlds of like research and ways to help with your sleep. Uh, nutrition is a stressor. Gut health has a lot to do with anxiety and depression. Um, you know, if you're using anabolics, you have to look at what type of drugs are you using, how are those affecting you, um, supplements that you're using, uh, you know, vitamin deficiencies, micronutrient stuff, you know, how much time are you spending outside? Um, you know, you can look at things like HRV and see how, you know, what is your nervous system balance look like and are you able to recover? And if not, can you start doing things like breathing exercises and some you know, some easy little drills to be able to help you. It's, it's something you just, you have to, it's, it's a winnable battle. I think people feel like it's like, Oh, you know, I just, I was born with this. There's nothing I could do about it. Even if you have genetic predisposition to some of these things, you can make progress at it. And that's my goal. My podcast has been to just keep giving people tools. I mean, I've had 
people that do cognitive behavior change on there. You know, I just interviewed somebody who's a physician in Boston who specializes in medical cannabis care for people for insomnia. I mean, there are so many tools out there that we don't even scratch the surface on that like, you know, you may not be able to control everything that's happening to you, but you don't have an excuse for yourself not to be able to, to start making a plan. Like there's stuff you can do. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of good options out there. So I would just encourage people to do that and I encourage them too to, you know, examine your training program. You know, I think powerlifting is, you guys have talked about this a lot on your podcast. Like there's just a lot in powerlifting that I think is dogma that gets repeated all the time, but isn't really actually what people should be doing. You know, I've trained a lot of training crews where people were just doing stuff because they felt like they should. And so look at your situation, look at what you're trying to do, your goals, the progress you're making and look at your program and see if you need to make adjustments to get there. And if somebody that doesn't have your best interests in mind say, Oh, that's stupid, you know, do it this way. They're not the one that has to deal with the consequences. So just say thanks and move on. So that's kind of my quick spiel, I guess, but look at everything from a very broad perspective. Cause there's a lot of tools out there. People, you know, if you just go to the doctor and tell them you have depression, you're just going to get one certain answer and it may help. It may not, but there's a lot of things out there you can look at. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing to add in there is like, from what I've seen, almost everybody knows where they want to be. Like, I want to do this. I want to be this, but none of them accurately address where they're actually at now. Yeah. Um, and what their issues are. Um, so how the how do they make a map of getting there without you know knowing where you're starting at, uh, and most usually they have a kind of an idea of where they're at, but they usually overshoot that. So, um, and they don't they don't ID all the things they need to fix and all the things they need to adjust in their life. There's only as an athlete, a very small percentage of your hours are actually spent in the gym. The rest of it's out, and that's where you can get most of your help. So recovering and you know relaxing and. You know, the mental side and the physical side. So, Yeah. I think baseline stuff is just so big. I mean, if you start a business, what do you do? You do a SWOT analysis. Strength, weakness, mm-hmm. opportunities, threats. It helps you know where you stand right now. You know, yeah. um, a simple Google search of SWOT analysis could might be helpful for some people. Because then you know what your maybe some of your weaknesses are when you're honest with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that sort of thing. So. Well, and all the tracking, all the monitoring, all that, it's, it's great, but it's nothing unless you use it. You know, yeah. you have somebody write down what they eat. Great. But sometimes they get into this habit of they're just doing that to do that. And they're not actually using the information that they're writing down. Yeah. You know? I, that's where a so. valuable mentor, a coach, a counselor, <laughs> someone who, who can look at things objectively and notice things. You know, yeah. uh, I do that myself. Sometimes I have to force myself to go back. I religiously complete a training log. Uh, and there's some little bit of psychological and nutrition notes on any mm-hmm. given day. But I have to go back and actually read them like mm-hmm. break yeah, out the last yeah. two months <laughs> other than that you're just writing shit down yeah, yeah. Well, you're not actually using it right right so. so okay all right i think we're just about out of time so thanks joe can you share with everybody what's the name of your podcast sure it's peak mental performance and you can find links to the itunes and google play and all that good stuff on uh peakmentalperformance.org sweet All right, everyone, we're going to call that a day. Uh, We'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys. See you guys. See you.
Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.